There we go. Good afternoon. Good evening. I'm Dove Tuzman, and you're on Equal Footing. And tonight, inspired by last week's popular show called The Jewish Show of Why, in which we got to explore quirks and idiosyncrasies, ask questions that we're often embarrassed to ask about Judaism with the renowned rabbi Joseph Isaac Isaac Korf, who was so gracious with his time with us last week. We're riffing on that and, and making this part of our format, and tonight we have a panel talking about Buddhism. This is the Buddhist show of why. I am joined this evening, all in studio, just so great, really feels like the pandemic is over when we can all be in studio again together. So here we are, all in Brooklyn. I'm joined by Doam Sunim, and Doam Sunim, who's also with his translator, if needed, and an apprentice, Muju. Doam Sunim is a Korean Buddhist monk. He has served as the abbot of the Chokze. Chokyesa Korean Zen Temple, Dom Sunim, I'm sorry if I mispronounced that, here in Manhattan. I had the pleasure of walking into the temple earlier today, in fact. Uh, he's been the abbot since 2012, and Doam Sunim was ordained as a Zen Buddhist monk in 1986 by his teacher, the Zen master Seng Sun. And it was after immigrating to Canada with his family in the early 1980s. And although Duam Sunim did not grow up as a Buddhist, he began to have strong questions about the meaning of life from early adulthood. And since his ordination, Duam Sunim has been practicing Zen meditation in both Korea and in the U.S. over 30 years. So welcome, Duam Sunim. Thank you. I'm joined by Daigi Thomas Stab. And Daigi Stab has been on the show before. I'm really grateful to you, Daigi Stab, for you being willing to tackle really tough subjects. And finally, uh, you know, the show's called Equal Footing because the idea is that, you know, we can learn from each other even on subjects in which we would seem to have an imbalanced level of, of knowledge or perspective. And certainly, uh, I don't feel an equal footing tonight because this is way out of sight of my, my expertise and obviously in in yours. And I'm, I'm glad the tables are turned tonight. We've talked in the past about political stuff and other stuff you've been gracious to discuss with us from a Zen Buddhist perspective. And Daigi Stab is a respected academic. He's, as I said, a Zen Buddhist. After graduating from Harvard University in 1995, disclosure alert, Daigi Thomas and I attended Harvard together. He started his career in corporate America, actually, at Procter & Gamble, but soon found that life bereft of meaning, and it was impelled to dedicate more time to his spiritual path. And in 1997, he became a dedicated meditation practitioner in Siddha Yoga. We actually did a show last year, I believe, in which we touched on Siddha Yoga. And he was a full-time devotee in the Siddha Yoga ashram for a time. And then in 2003, he met his Zen teacher. And ever since, Daigi Thomas Stab has been a member of the Zen Studies Society of New York and is a Rinzai layman in the samurai tradition of Zen Buddhism. Since 2007, Thomas has taught high school world history and world religions at prestigious secondary institutions, first at the Dwight School in New York City and currently at the St. Andrews School in Boca Raton, Florida. So Daigi Stab, welcome. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Joined also in studio, first-time guest, Victor Concepcion. And Victor is brave tonight. We had a, a little bit of a technical issue before uh, getting on the air, and, and Victor's doing this without a headset. So uh, good for you, keeping a, a Zen Buddhist uh, attitude. <laughs> Even though actually Victor's bringing a different perspective, because one of the things we're going to touch on is the confusion that's 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 often um, uh, out there around the differences between Hinduism and Buddhism and how they connect or or don't. Victor is a high school teacher of computer science here in the great city of New York. He met his meditation guru, Amma, at the age of 19, and he's been practicing a form of Hinduism ever since. Obviously, he didn't grow up uh, Hindu prior to that. Victor practices, Victor's practices include meditation and bhakti yoga. He's also a multi-instrumentalist and devotes his talents to spiritual devotion through song. So, Victor, welcome to Equal Footing. Thank you. Great to be here. All right. So everyone speak a little close to the mic. And here, here, here we go diving into 
Buddhism. And I'm excited about this show because it's one of the shows that I, I feel like I'm, I know the least about at an academic level. And also in my research, it yielded for me the understanding that there are so many different perspectives of what Buddhism is about. And then the path is so individual that I'm fascinated to hear that play out on the show. So, uh, Stab, maybe you could start us off from, I guess, at the ground level. Uh, who, who is, is, who is Buddha, the Gautam Buddha? And w- what are his or what are Buddhism's like core values? Okay. <clears throat> Let me start with, um, the historical Buddha is uh, <clears throat> generally uh, regarded as, uh, Siddhartha Gautama. Um, from the Shakya clan. Um, that is to say, he was a specific historical individual. Um, uh, historians uh, agree that, that he, he did exist. Um, and yet there is um, a bit of mythology that has grown up around the man. So I will attempt to try to explain it in a kind of secular you know, historian's perspective. And sorry, the Buddha lived in what, in what century or period? Um, he, was, he, he, he lived around 500... Uh, BCE, um, about 500 uh, years before the Common Era. And uh, he was um, widely regarded to be a, a prince um, of, a, of, a, of a large clan called the, the Shakya clan. So I guess he would um, have been the prince of a, of a relatively small kingdom. And his birthplace is now in present-day Nepal, um, but it's very close to uh, the Gangetic Plain, very, very close to, to India. And he was a remarkable young man, and the the general gist of the story was that there was a, a premonition at his birth that he would either be a great ruler or he would become a a, a great spiritual leader. Mm-hmm. And his father, uh, the king, really wanted to promote the the former option, and so he um, raised his son in almost complete. Um, luxury and seclusion um, as a way to kind of prevent him from um, touching on those aspects of life that might inspire him to become a spiritual teacher. So Siddhartha Gautama uh, was um, kind of denied the full picture of of life. And so uh, as legend has it, it was about his 29th year that he finally ventured out of the palace and encountered old age sickness and and death, and it became sort of a stark introduction to the uh, the the horrors of life. And on his fourth trip out of the palace, he encountered uh, an an ascetic, uh, a, a meditator, um, that really inspired him to to pursue his ultimate path. So it's a it's a long story, but he basically decided to uh, to leave his life of luxury. Um, to really uh, sit and confront the origins of, of suffering and um, try to figure out a, a path out of suffering um, to, 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 to live his, his greatest life. So, so this is, a, this is a, a, a actual historical person. Like, like Jesus Christ, for example, in the Christian tradition, we know that there was actually a person named Jesus in that period and and you said present day Nepal and and I mean use your your reference to suffering as a segue because when I was pre-gaming for this show this word was um, prevalent in my you know say uh, uh, hackneyed quick study of, of, of Buddhism and it's also quite central to the to the to the Jewish uh, zeitgeist as well. Uh, Doam Sunim, in regard to suffering, uh, I was reading about the concept of the, the of the four noble truths of Gautama Buddha. Of, of the, what are those in in layman speak? What are the four noble truths of the core values of Buddhism? Uh, first, suffering. Second is like. Uh, the region of the suffering. The so first is like suffering is real. Yeah. It exists. That's very important that that's, uh, if you realize suffer, suffering, you cannot go forward. Second step. So first realize 
is suffering. Life is suffering. That life is suffering. Yeah. And then second one is like, uh, what's the reason why life is suffering? Why I'm suffering? Find that correct reason. Third is, if we release from suffering, and then the so, oh, so the third is is that you can achieve an end to suffering. Yeah. So first, I acknowledge that there is suffering. Yeah. That my life is 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 full of suffering. Yeah. Um, secondly, I ask the question why. Yeah. And thirdly, I the answer to that question I realize is that it can end. I I don't have to suffer. Yeah, or, or completely released from the liberty from the suffering. I can be delivered. And then first is how how we can be like uh, really released from the suffering. So the fourth is like the path to exactly. to get out of suffering. Yeah, that we okay. Uh, no so okay, so where we've left off here, it, we're talking about Buddhism. This you're on equal footing. I'm Dove Tuzman. I'm joined by my guests Daigi Thomas Stab, who's a layman Zen Buddhist in the samurai tradition. Victor Concepcion, who is practice, a practicing Hindu, and we're going to talk about the intersection between Hinduism and, and Buddhism, and Doam Sunim, who is a, a Zen Buddhist and an abbot of a Zen monastery here in, in New York. Participate in this conversation live. You can do so giving your name. You can do so anonymously by calling 718-303-9090. That's 718-303-9090. Ask any and all questions that you have that you've always wanted to know about Buddhism. You have experts here in the room who have graciously opened up uh, their time and and willing to uh, answer things that may be even uncomfortable, as often happens on this show. You can also text a question. Uh, if you'd like to, you can do so again, attributing your name or anonymously to 917 917- Four two eight four zero six two. That's nine one seven four two eight four zero six two. We see text questions as well as WhatsApp uh, questions, and we'll get to some of those in our next segment after our first break. Okay, Victor, we're going to, I'm sure, hear from Dagistab and Doam Sunim about this path to overcome suffering. Now, as some listeners of the show know, I'm 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 Jewish. I don't know where I would fit on the spectrum of observance of Judaism, but I'm Jewish. And I also, at one point in my life, um, journeyed uh, literally and figuratively in the Eastern traditions. I was living in India. I lived in an ashram, and I and I, I have never been in the Buddhist path, but I was on what I think would probably properly be called a Kashmir Shaivist path, which is like a area of Hinduism that actually shares a lot in common. With, with Buddhism. You're a Hindu, uh, Victor, at this point in your life, you practice Hinduism. And there's also a, a lot of talk about uh, suffering, and we're going to get to the concept of karma and overcoming suffering. And, and you're also surrounded by people in the, in the Buddhist community. How have what, what you've heard so far, how is that distinct from the, the practice of, of Hinduism in your experience? Well, you know, I, I find that um, all, all truth is is relative um, to who hears it and who tells it, right? So you know, like like all students in school, we all had our favorite teacher. Um, there are many teachers who teach math, um, but some teachers um, are more effective with some students, and vice versa. So they teach the same truth, mathematics, um, but their approach is different, and thus they resonate uh, within uh, students' hearts differently. I myself was a very good math student, except for my pre-calculus student uh, teacher uh, in in high school. He and I did not get along so well, so that year I was a poor math student, um, and that was quite the exception in my life. Um, he and I just saw things differently, and and his approach didn't resonate with me. Um, which so was, are, you, are you saying that the that there's it's it's really the same practice or same philosophical prism in in what you've heard here with, uh, with respect to Buddhism and in your practice of Hinduism. Just kind of a different teacher. Correct, correct. So this idea of suffering, um, and, and it's it's not just an acknowledgement that there is suffering, but is how we move beyond that suffering. Um, so it's it's identifying what suffering means to us in our lives and how do we move past it. And and in every every step along the way of our of our uh, practice, um, we refine that meaning and then we refine what we want to do about it. Okay, we're gonna come. We're gonna take our first break. We're gonna come back and we're gonna talk about. In Buddhism, 
and also through the, the prism of Hinduism. And I'm going to ask Daiki Stab to elucidate us on the connection, the intersection between the two and help explain why Victor's on the show with us uh, tonight. Uh, on Equal Footing, talking about Buddhism. This is the Buddhism Show of Why. We'll be right back. I wanted to let that go on. That's beautiful. All right. We got to talk about our sponsors here. Otherwise, we can't be on the air. DocuVax. You've heard me talk about DocuVax before. Are you a small or medium-sized business owner who wants to provide a low-cost, effective health benefit for your employees? Maybe you're a school administrator who wants to ensure all of your students have the proper vaccines. Maybe you're just a parent trying to keep your family's medical records up to date. Well, welcome to DocuVax. That's D-O-C-U. VAX. DocuVax is an easy-to-use digital locker or digital wallet. It's accessible on your laptop or smartphone. It allows you to safely store and validate basic medical information, like immunization records, lab results, even x-rays and MRIs or allergy information. Gone are the days of losing time tracking down old medical records or sharing test results with a new healthcare provider. The DocuVax system covers over 60 different important elements of your medical profile, from flu and COVID and tetanus vaccines to colorectal and breast cancer screenings to blood type and allergy information. To sign up, go to DocuVax.com, that's D-O-C-U-V-A-X.com, or call 833-859-1933. That's 859-1933. Sorry. That's 833-859-1933. For as little as $6.99 per month, DocuVax subscribers can privately access all of their medical records from a secure HIPAA-compliant digital storage facility. And as a DocuVax subscriber, medical professionals, this is the best part, medical professionals, doctors are on call for you 24 hours a day to validate your vaccine records, your blood test results, or anything else in your medical locker. DocuVax medical data is yours. It is never accessible to anybody but you unless you want to share it privately using DocuVax's proprietary QR code based system. So your data is secure at all times. So put an end to worrying about if you or someone else you care about is up to date on a particular vaccine, blood test, or an important preventative screening. Take control of your medical file. It's not your doctor's. It's not your insurance company's. It's yours. Sign up at DocuVax.com. Operators are also standing by at 833-859-1933. That's 833-859-1933. I've been All right, you're back on equal footing, and I see our first uh, callers lighting up. On, oh, call back. Just saw a couple of folks we missed on the board. We are talking about Buddhism, the Buddhist show of why. And before we went to break, as is often the case whenever we talk about any religious path, we're talking about suffering. And Dom Sunim, who's a Zen Buddhist monk and an abbot in a Zen monastery here in Manhattan, told us about the four noble. Uh, truths in, in Buddhism. Number one, I'm going to paraphrase this, Dom Sunim, so please uh, correct me if I get this wrong. One, suffering is real. Two, why? Ask the question, why? Why do we suffer? Three, it is possible to not suffer. There is an end in sight. You can be released in this life from suffering. Mm. And then four, which is what I want to ask about now, is how? What's the path of how we do that? So, Stab. <laughs> What are the basic elements that someone can easily understand is listening to the show who's never been exposed to Buddhism before? You know, what are the basic rules or, or guidelines of how to be released from suffering in this life in, in, uh, according to Buddhism? Okay, then <clears throat> I'd say to put it simply for, for Westerners, I would return to the second noble truth and uh, insert the word desire. Uh, another way the second noble truth is understood is that desire is the root of suffering. So the third noble truth is often described as it is a cessation of suffering is possible if you 
let go of desire. And the fourth noble truth is really the eightfold path leading into a, a set of uh, suggestions on, on how you can live a fuller life by letting go of desire. Okay, you know, it's funny. I thought you meant at first that you have to have a desire to overcome suffering, but you're actually talking about, if I understand you collect, correctly, being released from, like, the prison of desire, like that of the feeling of desire. Correct. And and bear with me. Um, we're discussing terms that are um, articulated in ancient Pali and have been translated into Sanskrit into many different languages. So there's certainly many interpretations um you know open open to this but um i would i would say the first noble truth is life is subject to suffering um and uh, the second noble truth is that desire is the is the root of that suffering so i'd say what comes with that is this um huge emphasis on on acceptance um that the 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 first step in transcending suffering is to accept what is, accept what is going on right in front of your face, accept what you cannot control. Um, mm. And then from from there, um, you can begin to glimpse the, the cessation of, of suffering. Um, but I would emphasize the you know the the link between you know desire and acceptance. The greater the acceptance, the the, the lower the desire for it to be any way other than the way it actually is. So I promised to tie in where we left off before the break about the intersection between Hinduism and Buddhism. And I have much more of a background in my life being exposed to Hindu belief than, than Buddhist belief, but I'm also struck in this conversation by the similarities. And one of those being the need to kind of overcome the constraints of the ego, overcome desire, overcome that which is kind of attachment to this, to this, to this world. And those things seem to be common. Daiki Stab, where do you see a, like a primary or maybe there isn't one, but what, what is or are the primary areas of difference, difference between Buddhism and, and Hinduism? Well, the first thing I'd like to acknowledge is I, I would say that the, the main idea of Buddhism really came from Hinduism. So as I often teach this to, to high school students, I think it's important to honor the origins. Um, and so specifically, uh, I'd say the belief that is shared by Hindus and Buddhists is rooted in this phrase from the ancient, San, ancient Sanskrit of tattvam asi, which means you are that. I would translate that to mean all is one. Absolutely everything in the universe is one. And it's our illusion of separateness which leads to desire and, and suffering. And I think this idea that all is one really came from the Hindu mystics. Right. So I think the, the distinction the only important distinction for me between Buddhism and Hinduism is I think it's um, really a, about the question of God. Mm. And to paraphrase it very briefly, I mean, forgive my Western slang, but I think basically as I've read Buddhism in many, many, many books, I basically would say that the, the, Buddha, the Buddha said, if there are gods, they are beyond human comprehension. And therefore, they're not really worth focusing on what is worth focusing on is is, is is human suffering or mm-hmm. or the notion of god at all i mean i think i would leave that distinction on the shelf whether it's multiple or one in fact right. i would say hinduism is more monotheistic than it's you know um, un- understood yeah. nevertheless my interpretation of the buddhist speak, uh, teaching on this is that that that's unknowable. And so he wouldn't comment on that. The, the Buddha would not comment about theology. Mm. He wouldn't answer questions as to which God was real or what. He, he said that's, that's not relevant, uh, to, to exploring this path of human suffering and the path out of it. Right. So, so just to wrap it up, I would say basically the, the idea that, that, that all is one is the, is the main belief and that what, what we share is seeing through the illusion of separateness is how we can achieve a deep and profound joy and through that we release our 
uh, desire. We release our egotism. So we just do it all without God. I would say Buddhism is often misunderstood in the West um, because it is much more agnostic than Westerners mm-hmm. realize. We have a lot of trappings of religions. We kind of have altars and temples that make us appear like other religions. But we, I would, I would argue that we're essentially non-theistic. We're not about gods. We don't need that word in our discussion to to find our path to happiness. As you're speaking about the about uh, the illusion of duality and 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 oneness, uh, I'm reminded of the the core. Uh, prayer in Judaism. The core recitation is the oneness prayer. Shema Israel Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. The Lord is our God. The Lord is one. And also in 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 Jewish belief, there's also the emphasis on uh, the the illusion of attachment. The, the the that the world that that suffering is real. That 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 chaos is real. That pain is real. But that it it's it's also part of something that you don't have to be attached to, that that you can transcend. And Dom Sunim, I want to turn to you on this connection between uh, at least Judaic thought and Buddhist thought, or, or or Judeo-Christian thought and Buddhist thought, as it pertains to the path out of suffering. Because one of the fascinating things that I came across in researching for the show was the concept of what was on that eightfold path, that, that path out of suffering. And to me, and I apologize ahead of time looking you in the eye and I'm saying this with great respect, to me it seemed similar to the Decalogue, to the Ten Commandments. Like there, there were certain things there around virtue and morality and around behavior and around things you do and don't do that reminded me of the of the prototypical Judeo-Christian Decalogue or the 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 the, the Ten uh, Commandments. Um, am I right? Are these are these traditions much more similar than they might seem, or is the Eightfold Path really different from the 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 Ten Commandments? Okay, uh, I'm a Jan monk, so it's uh, the which the try to attain the truth. A different, different uh, up, uh, approach to the truth. So most of Buddhism is like uh, explanations. Buddha never said this is Buddhism. Buddha said all kind of things people misunderstanding try to understand correctly. He doesn't make the four numerable things. He never make the like a force. Later, later, people, many scholars, many Buddha, the people who believe Buddha's uh, teachings, they make those kind of uh, form of uh, teachings. I see. So, the I'm a Zen monk means like not rely on that kind of uh, intellectual teaching or intellectual understanding. I see. So, real, real approached Buddha's real the meaning of teaching is awaken in a moment and moment to see just like this. So it's, it's, if I understand you correctly, more of a philosophy or a way of seeing life as opposed to a stricture or a rule book of how to live life. Mm-hmm. Is that, would that be fair? No, I, I, I need to, I, I can't, can't catch you when you, what you mean. I guess, it, I'm hearing from both Daigi Stab and yourself, if I, if I am understanding correctly, that Buddhism is more of a philosophy, more of a, a way of, of, of observing and understanding life as opposed to a rule book. What is a rule book? Like a set of things you, you, you should do or you should not do. No. Should do, should not do, that's all intellectual the judgment if as long as you have that you never see that everything is just like this so I'm as a gem monk I give you the demonstration to reach that point so where are you now I'm in Brooklyn Brooklyn is too wide your idea set I'm Brooklyn. It that doesn't mean like in the, just in this moment. 
I am. You want me to go more narrow or or more wide? Already, already you missed my main. I missed the lesson. Yes. Tell me. Yes, that's the Zen style of、uh, teaching. It's one of the example. Or. So what was the answer? What was the right answer? You must find that. So, who is talking now? Doam Sunim is talking to me, sitting across the table from me. Correct. Who is talking? You yourself. Who is talking? I'm Dove Tasman, and I'm talking on the radio. That's your name, right? Yes. So before the name, it's just the title of the name is title. Who is really make this speech? Ah,、uh, I think I get what you're getting at. I mean, I guess I'm part of part of the universal、okay. construct. I'm part of okay. That's the most creation. Okay, I'm just give some example of the Zen teaching style. Okay,、gotcha. it's not like intellectually understand the answer. Just awake, aware in this moment, clearly catch the the. What is that? What is that called? That method of 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 teaching? It's called the transmission outside the sutras. It's a personal teacher to student knowledge that is trans transmitted beyond words、um, through sitting in the presence of of a Zen master. Okay,、wow. so guys, this is this is really. Great and and instructive. We need to take <laughs> to get sure. But no, we're going to take another break, and we're going to come back on equal footing for our Buddhist show of why with Zen abbot and monk Doam Sunim Daigi Thomas Tab, who's a layman Zen Buddhist in the samurai tradition, Victor Concepcion, who has a guru and studies in the Hindu tradition, sharing. Many philosophical bases with、uh, Buddhism. Participate in the conversation seven one eight three zero three nine zero nine zero, or you can text a question to nine one seven four two eight four zero six two. Anything you've ever wanted to know or ask,、uh, put us on the spot here. We're talking about Buddhism. We'll be right back. Equal Footing with Dove Tuzman is sponsored by MDCS Dermatology, your experts in skincare. With two Manhattan locations and four offices in Long Island, including Plainview and Comac, the dermatologists and skincare surgeons at MDCS are proud to be affiliated with the Albert Einstein College of Medicine and New York Presbyterian Hospital. So schedule your next skin exam in one of MDCS's convenient New York area locations. To make an appointment, go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-DERM. That's 212-661-3376. You can even schedule a virtual video visit with MDCS's board-certified dermatologists from the comfort and safety of your own home. So go to www.mdcs.live or call 212-661-3376. And don't forget to mention Equal Footing for 15% off all cosmetic procedures. A little bit of backstory, because I know some of our listeners are aware of my obsession with music. I sometimes spend as much time picking the music for these shows as, as researching the subject matter and the the, the I don't know what you want to call it, the theme song for this for the show. Yeah, keep on by Lane Eight. It's especially apropos tonight. Lane Eight is a great、uh, EDM act that are、uh, practicing Buddhists, as I understand it. So there you go, fits in. All right, you're on the Buddhist show of why. I'm Dove Tasman. I'm joined by Victor Concepcion, who is a meditation practitioner in Bhakti Yoga. Daigi Thomas Stab, who is a layman. Zen Buddhist in the samurai tradition, Doam Sunim, who is an abbot and Zen monk, an abbot of a Zen monastery in New York City. Guys, we've gotten some interesting texts. We've gotten into some like heavy philosophy in the first segments. I want to come back to that, 
direct transmission and teaching. Like selfishly, I want more teaching here, guys. This is great. We're all in the studio. I'm looking you in the eyes asking for to drop your knowledge on me. Um, but I want to get to a couple of like really like rapid fire questions. Sometimes the second segment of the show, we like to do this like, you know, lightning round. So we'll go around the, the, the table, the table. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, Daggy Stab, quick question for you. What is karma? Karma is a construct that is almost always true, <laughs> but I uh, am hesitant to believe that there's any rule you can imagine that is always true. Um, but to be fair, it does come more from from Hinduism and it certainly influenced uh, Buddhism. But it's really the the notion of of the, the the chain of cause and effect that anything we do can influence things down the stream and uh, in unexpected ways and, and vice versa. We may be influenced by many actions you know, prior to, to our, um, our present moment. Um, that being said, I'd say Buddhists uh, don't dwell on karma so much. You know, okay. I think we really do perceive things a little bit differently. It really Hindus is, do. it really is about oh, yeah. living fully in the present moment. And so I also want to qualify that um, Doan, uh, uh, Sumin and I are, are both from the Zen tradition, which are notorious for um, being free with the rules. We're the least interested in the rules, and we're most interested in in the present moment. Um, so that that being said, um, we we um, we do, we don't hold on to fixed ideas about about karma or fixed ideas about much of anything. But to be fully present in the well, that's a good segue into our next lightning round question for Dharam Sunim, which is, what is the difference between Zen Buddhists and Tibetan Buddhists, and why is the Dalai Lama so important? That depends on what people think about. It's, uh, not, not, I'm, inter- I'm not interested in anything and except this moment, okay? So, I don't... So, your question is like... Uh, What's the difference between Zen Buddhism and Tibetan Buddhism? There's no Zen Buddhism. There's no Tibetan Buddhism. That's the people's idea. They make it. So there's just a misconception that they're different. I hear about these as different like sects or groups, but you don't see a difference. How can you prove that? Can you show me? I can't, no. Yeah, so where, where's the Tibetan Buddhism? I don't know. I guess it's based in Tibet. Is the, is, is the Dalai Lama the head of the Tibetan Buddhist movement? That's all kind of your information, understanding, your concept now talking that. That's completely opposite way to practice Buddhism or Zen. That's more like a idealism. Okay. So, uh, Victor, I'm going to get to you in a second, uh, but Dagi Stab, uh, for in in very simple language, like who is the Dalai Lama? For someone listening to the show who just associates Buddhism with the Dalai Lama, who who is that human being? The Dalai Lama is regarded to be the head of Tibetan Buddhism, but he's actually really the the, the head of only one of four major schools of Tibetan Buddhism. But okay. that being said, I'd say um, they are much more hierarchical in their structure than those of us who practice Zen Buddhism. So um, we have no singular, you know. Um, hierarchical figurehead, um, but but they do, and so I'd say in the absence of any other, I would say he's sort of like the 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 pope for for Buddhism, uh, and Zenists are like Protestants. We don't really you know regard the pope, but um, I have tremendous respect for him, though. I think he's he's doing a fantastic job leading a different branch of of Buddhism. Got it. We might come back to to that one, Victor. In uh, Hinduism. There's the concept of enlightenment. Correct. That after, that you transcend the ego, you transcend the body, you transcend the banal, and that you arrive at a kind of a f- fusion with the absolute. Correct. And in Buddhism, as, as I understand it, an analog concept um, is nirvana. Do you are you am I right? Is is it the same thing, or is there a difference between Hindu enlightenment and Buddhist nirvana? I don't believe so. I believe the path and the practice, the understanding is different. Um, but I believe that the end result is much more similar than, 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 than the difference that might exist. So, you know, when you talk about self-realization, you're really talking about the dissolution of the ego, mm. uh, that there is no I, mm. um, that, that, or, or another way to think about it is, is, is to, to live with only one desire, 
um, and that is to to be one with the divine. When when can can we live th- with that as our only desire? And in Hinduism, there there are some steps to become self-realized or to realize that one is God or to get rid of the ego or to live with that singular desire. Um, in order to do that, we, we must forget ourselves. And how do we do that? Well, we can, we do that by seeing, being able to see God in ourselves. Well, how do we do that? Well, we do that by first being able to see God in others. Okay. Well, how do we even conceive of that? Well, we realize that all is one. Okay. Well, now we get to the fifth step. So this is the path. Um, that Hinduism um, uh, follows is a bit different. So there's four ways to get to that fifth step, which is how to remove the ego or forget yourself or get to the point where you realize all is divine. There's there's bhakti yoga, which is the yoga of devotion, um, where you devote yourself to others, you devote yourself to your guru, you devote yourself to a higher meaning. Um, there's also karma yoga, which is the yoga where um, you give up the results of your actions. Mm-hmm. So it, you, mm-hmm. you do what you do because you feel it's the best thing to do at the time um, and you renounce the results. Um, in other words, it's another way of living beyond something for just yourself. There's also yana yoga, which is the yoga of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um where you really study the Vedantas and the Vedas uh, for a greater understanding to see the divinity within them. And then there's also Raja Yoga, which is meditation. And and the truth is that um, every devotee follows all four yogas, and every teacher teaches all four um, without you realizing it. So you you might be practicing Bhakti Yoga, and you might um, be uh, volunteering at church, but at the same time, you know, someone... Um, even though you're volunteering and good things should come to you because you're a volunteer, someone suddenly uh, says something to you that's unkind. And mm-hmm. so that's your karma. What well, that means is that you should continue to volunteer even if someone is unkind because the point of volunteering isn't so that others can be kind As to I you. As I understand that your karmic result can be in the in the real world, so to speak, can be positive with quotation marks around it or negative with quotation marks around it. And either way, you want to get away from it. In other words, like you want to transcend the concept of something being bad or good. Correct. Correct. And so, and so the idea is that that whichever path you choose, whichever path you 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 engage upon, whether it's a combination, that in the end you are left with that one desire to simply be one with the divine. Um, whether it's because you served others, whether it's because you renounced the consequences of your actions, um, whether it's because you accepted your fate, whether it's because you mm-hmm. gained that much knowledge or because you meditated on a mountain uh, for, for four years or ten years. Let's talk for about meditation more. Neither lightning round question for you, Doam Sunim. Why do Buddhists meditate? Why? Who is asking that question now? <laughs> Uh, a uh, a manifestation in God's creation. I want that happens you to are, named you are answer. You are answer I, come from your heart. From my heart. Okay. Um. A how about this? Someone who has journeyed in and out of meditation practice in their life. That's me speaking. Uh, wants to know why in the Buddhist practice you meditate. I know some about Jewish meditation. I know some about uh, Hindu meditation. And I want to know something about Buddhist meditation. Okay. The most of the people nowadays, they want more like information or un- understanding about a certain kind of uh, the, the knowledge or some of uh, religion or the philosophy. Or, they always want to learn kind of uh, understanding. Real Buddhism is not rely on that. Mm. At the beginning, people want to understand, and then first correct understanding. Then they do. They more actively they do following that understanding of daily life. So, for example, like that. So Buddha said, "I'm like a, a the doctor. So I understand all of the people's the sickness." Also, I have all kind of uh, medicine for cure the sickness. So you come to me to talk about your sickness, I'll give you. Even you don't talk, if you come to me, I can see your sickness. But you don't come to me, you don't listen to me, and then what can I do to help you? Even I give the cor- correct medicine for your sickness, if you don't take it, so how can I help you? Yeah, you can't if I don't take the medicine. Right. So first, if you want to 
understandable Buddhism, first you must really sincerely think about yourself. You must really sincerely, really, really, realistically understand about your suffering. Let me ask you one more question, Don Sunim, before we take our last break. And it's going to relate to, as I understand, we have a caller after the break that's going to touch on this in, I guess, uh, more demographic or political terms. I'm an observant Jewish person. Huh. There are many, in fact, there's even a name for this cohort of Jubus. Uh, I heard that. Yeah, I heard that name. In, in <laughs> fact, we were talking when, in a pregame about the number, the, uh, I guess, uh, definitely statistically disproportionately large number of practicing Buddhists for in the in the United States who are who are Jewish. Can I be uh, a practicing Buddhist and maintain, in your view, my observance of Judaism, or are the two things in conflict? Very quickly, and then we'll, we'll, we'll cover this again. Of the course. Buddhism is not like a religion, not like a theory. Mm. Buddha's real teaching is talking about your suffering. So I don't have to give up my belief in the Jewish uh, patriarchs and matriarchs, in the in the halachot and Jewish law. That's all kind of your, your the understanding concept. If mm. you, As long as you follow that, you cannot reach your true self true mind, true suffering. So it sounds like Buddhism is more of a path of self-discovery than it is a religion. All right, we're going to come back. Sure. And we're going to touch on that okay. after the break. We're on the Buddhist show of why. I'm Dove Tasman on Equal Footing. I'm joined by Daigi Thomas Stab, Victor Concepcion, and Dom Sunim talking about everything we've wanted to know and, uh, and have it add the answers to but on, uh, on the subject of Buddhism. We'll be right back. Had to work in some uh, Beastie Boys. Bodhisattva Vow is the name of that song. All right. One of our great sponsors at Unequal Footing is sometimes a little awkward to talk about, but so important to emotional health, so important to couples, and that is Manhattan Medical's impact on sexual health. And it's a it's a, an important message not only for men that are listening, but their partners, because not being able to have enjoyable sex is incredibly uh, emotionally painful. Uh, and erectile dysfunction is real. It affects as high as 60% of uh, male adults at some point in their life. Manhattan Medical, which is obviously based here in Manhattan, but is available to people anywhere in the country. You can do virtual uh, visits and get care by phone or by Zoom. It utilizes a new effective gains wave therapy, and it can help you achieve excellent results. Gains wave therapy for erectile dysfunction involves no expensive blue pills. It's non-invasive. It's surgery-free. It's painless. With Manhattan Medical, there are no side effects. And for almost all patients, wonderful results. Manhattan Medical's Gains Wave Therapy can help you. I don't like to have sponsors in this program unless I feel like there's some connection and I feel there's really uh, a genuine service being offered by the company. And in this case, this sponsor was brought to me by a dear friend of mine. He's in his mid-80s. Okay? And he used Manhattan Medical's Gains Wave Therapy to treat his erectile dysfunction. And he's had terrific results and has had an enjoyable sex life for the first time in a long time. Do this for yourself. Do this for your partner. Try it out. Manhattan Medical's Gains Wave Therapy can help you. Call now for a free consultation. If you mention you heard this on Equal Footing, that's how you get the free consultation. That's worth $200, $250. Real value. Call 888 888- EDQR9. That's 888-EDQR9. I'm going to make uh, spell out the numbers as well. That's 888-332-8739. 888-332-8739. Call Manhattan Medical now. I've been caught. All right, you're back on Equal Footing. I'm Dove Tuzman, and we're talking about Buddhism, all sorts of questions we've wanted to ask. We've had some text questions. I've gotten to some of those. We're going to get a caller in a moment. Daiki Stab, before we went to the break, uh, Dom Sunim was talking about the uh, the fact that 
Buddhism is a, a, a perhaps a way of life or a journey of discovery. Or that's the question I put on the table, at least, not a religion per se. And that someone is for, a Jew, for example, like myself, uh, can also practice Buddhism without that being kind of in contradiction. Do you agree? Yes, absolutely. Um, I would say that the Buddha was among the world's first practical psychologists. Um, I'd say he wasn't really... Uh, a religious thinker, and I think it's only over time that uh, his movement uh, came to have some of the attributes of of a, of a religion. Um, but but the the fact is, I mean, and forgive me, but coming from the Zen tradition, um, Doan Sunim and I are both a little bit iconoclastic, and we kind of like to you know rip down all the lists of rules and stuff like that. But if I may, I think like really, what is at the heart of of Buddhism for me to really simplify it is that egotism is the root of suffering and meditation is the path out of that suffering i would simplify it to that okay. and now the the, the 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 benefit of this is that um whenever you ask a question of of Duan sunim he was really probing you to for get you to figure out what what do you think you are and so if i can just explain the question of like what you know you know, who am I becomes like, well, what am I? And the purpose of this approach, Buddhism is like Don Sunim was saying, it's, we're not acquiring any knowledge. It's, it's, it's a reductive unlearning. And the purpose of meditation is to come into direct contact with the mystery. Mm. And if anything, I'd say I'm drawn to Zen Buddhism because it's the most direct access to mysticism. And mm. what is mysticism other than sitting with the great unknowable? So in Zen practice, we're really trying to kind of get out of the intellect and shred the r- r- lists and rules and get past all of that to sit into this mystery of what is this but to play the devil's advocate in in at least in the jewish tradition i think this is true of many western tradition at least and 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 victor looking at you also i think in hinduism too yes full of rules i mean in judaism we have 613 very specific rules do's and don'ts and so the concept of kind of shredding the rules um does bring up some some question for me let's take a caller on this Uh, i think on line one if i understand correctly we've we have a caller who wants to touch on this subject you're on the air uh, hello, good evening. Stan, is that you? You got it. I can't wait for your question. Good evening, Stan. <laughs> wait a minute. You presumpted my question. Uh, you know, I didn't I mean to steal your thunder. No, that's all right. No, no, I have no thunder. It's thundering now outside as we're talking. It's raining. Uh, uh, you're running short of time, Saul. Uh, there used to be a television show on TV long before you guys, uh, about 30 years ago, called Kung Fu. You, any of you remember that show? Yeah, sure. It was. And it was a it was a theme show to some extent about Buddhism, and uh, the man who was it was supposed to be like a Western John Wayne, and he handled it with physical thinking and meditation and so forth. And it was a popular series for about three years. It also got people to think about Buddhism and convert to Buddhism, uh, which is well, I guess it was a good thing. Uh, uh, the problem I have is what has been the conversion rates. From Buddhism, from other religions to Buddhism. Judaism, at least the liberal end of it, the modern end of it, takes the meditation. I don't think they take, the Orthodox do not take the religious aspects of it, but I think, uh, the meditational aspects of it has been taken by many groups, and that's the good part. The yeah, and there's, aspect, of course, a lot of Jewish mysticism and Jewish meditation. Oh, yeah, with Kabbalah and so yeah, forth, yeah. which is, in a way, a little bit like that. Yeah. But, uh, I want to ask these people, uh, what has been the conversion rate? What has been, in the long term, has there been more people going more towards full Buddhism or less? There are other people going more to Orthodox Judaism. Stan, with your permission, a- can, 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 right. I, can I rephrase or, or, or suggest that we step back and actually ask a more general question that you're bringing up, which is, do Buddhists even want, is it a proselytic group? Uh, you know, Daigi Stab, do, do Buddhists want people to join? I think they do. They never say, don't come to us. Did you ever meet a Buddhist that sat? <laughs> oh, I don't think I've ever seen that. They don't, they don't put signs out saying come, but I think they welcome everybody. I mean, there's no saying, hey, you're a Jew, you know, but I think they welcome everybody. I mean, as a but, scholar of religions, I would say, yes, uh, Buddhism does fall into the category of a proselytizing religion. However, it's with that notion of the 
the Buddha as a as a doctor. Meaning, if you are suffering, if your life isn't uh, full of of meaning, and you are suffering, then you might consider turning to Buddhism as a way to uh, find a path out of that suffering. So I think. Uh, for those of, uh, like myself who's kind of excited to, to, to share what I've learned from Buddhism, yes, I feel like I, I do kind of engage in, in sharing that joy about the path out of suffering, but it's, it's not... You don't think uh, other religions, that people suffer from other religions that are Jewish, Catholic, Protestant, who are suffering for whatever reason, they cannot be helped in those faiths? I think they can. No, I mean, me personally... Saying, no, I, I, yeah, I, I, I see, like, for, for me... Personally, I think I, I, I feel more in common with people who practice all faiths. And I feel like, if anything, my message is, uh, is, is kind of seeking to connect with agnostics or secular folks who can find that there is really uh, joy to be found through meditation. Um, but no, I, I, I think getting back to the, the way the Buddha presented it, if, if you're not feeling suffering and you're not drawn to Buddhism, then you're fine. You don't need, or it's also referred to as a raft. Like you use the raft across the river, and if you don't need that raft anymore, then leave it. It has no we're, need to exist on its own. We're going to run Why out of time. Why do people leave? Stan, to your question, if you don't mind, don't send you, if you, with respect to Stan's point about many people leaving Judaism, or he's perceiving them to leave Judaism and, and go to Buddhism, mm. you did mention to me in preparation for the show that you have a lot of Jewish students. Yeah. Uh, do you agree with Stan? Is this something that you see happening? Sure. I have a many uh, Jewish uh, the monk and the friend. We practice together. So point is like, uh, uh, even if you leave the Judaism or the Buddhism or Christianity, you are always there. Your idea change, your feeling change, but you are always there. You know, you must know that. As long as you follow your concept, your understanding, you are not there. You are following all other, other things. So must awaken means, you have to try many techniques of practice, meditation or whatever. Means like make your mind more calm and clear to see just like this. Not make, made by your concept, not you learn, not you understanding. There's, if you really awaken, there's no like that. It's always the clear. The night is dark, day is light, bright. That's the clear. As long as you you don't have that experience, you never you never know about the truth. Yeah. Okay. So we're gonna run out of time. I really want to get to a listener's question that I've been wanting to ask for uh, last couple of of segments, and this has come up in 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 previous shows. And and maybe Victor, you have a Let's call it, I don't know, if not a broader perspective, mm-hmm. then you're, you're leaning a little bit of a different perspective to mm-hmm. the conversation. Sure. The idea of everything happens for a reason. And that the, 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 the listener is asking the question of in the Buddhist faith, and, and I guess for you it also ask in, in the Hindu path. Yes. Is there a belief that everything happens for a reason? Absolutely. Uh, when we are kids, oftentimes when we do wrong, our parents correct us. And, and, and like anyone, the, the, the sooner that the correction happens, uh, with relation to what we've done that requires correction, uh, the, the better we learn, right? So, so the, the idea is that everything happens for a reason is that if, if, if I've done something wrong and something happens to me as a consequence and it happens to me right away, well, that's the reason. But also, in, in terms of uh, from the flip side of love, um, if, if someone's guiding me on the right path, just like a mother or a father, then they would uh, bring put me in situations where I would grow, put me in situations um, where I would become more than I am. And therefore, as far as Hinduism is concerned, um, then two things happen. You're further from the ego and closer to divinity. So, so in terms of, of having a, a religious, uh, um, understanding or, or, or meaning or a teacher, uh, the guru is the one who is responsible for bringing you closer to that divinity and further from the ego and therefore is, um, the one manipulating the correction. We're going to leave it there. Thank you, Victor. Thank you, Daggy Stab. Dom Sunim, thank you. Buddha Show of Why. We're going to have to get together again. Yes. Thank you very much. Thank you.